Hello and welcome to season three of the Melrose Place cast. I'm Mary. I can't believe we're still doing this. Oh my gosh, I'm Teej. And what what could possibly stop us, Mary? I don't know at this point. I honestly don't know. And I wonder sometimes. Season three, wow, it is really kicking it up a notch. Mary, we are cooking with grease this season. We are firing on all cylinders. Oh my God. And speaking of fire, I don't know about you, but I think there may be some explosive plot twists coming our way. (laughs) Did you say explosive? Yeah, are we this getting... place about to blow. Are we going to get sued? <laughs> Have the money. Please don't sue us. They can take all the royalties. We don't make any money. Because you know what? There's no real There's no real sponsors. But each week, we're going to have a couple fake ones. We sure will. And you're going to learn all about them coming up now on the Melrose Placecast. Hello, and welcome to the Melrose Placecast. I'm Mary. I'm a robot. Is it any better? Is it still it's, it's, it's great. That makes no sense to our listeners, since I will have cut out all the audio of you sounding chaotic. <laughs> well, but, I didn't want to get into the whole thing. Here, I'll start over again. Then. No, I'm keeping it in. Just keep no, going. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> welcome to the Melrose Placecast. It's season three, episode 17, which is supersized, and it's called They Shoot Mothers, Don't They? Question mark. Parts one and two. Here goes several hours of your life, Mary. I'm Mary. I'm Teej, and it only took 90 minutes. See, it took you 90 minutes. I don't know how long it took me. It was over the course of several days. Do you know why it only takes me 90 minutes, Mary? Because this show is just so rich with art that I didn't have to try so hard. See, I would counter that it is so full of trash that it takes me that long to just even begin to capture it all. Well, I would love to dive into this, um, but... Hot podcast news. Hot podcast news. Okay. As you know, as our listeners know, I listen to the other podcasts, but only after we record our episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary, I have news that one of the other podcasts picked up. This was again with this. Okay. Do you remember last episode, Peter Burns had a check for $25,000 as a kickback scheme? Yes, I remember. The date on the check, according to again with this, was 1984. I'm sad that I missed that. They had to print that check just for this. It's not like they had a prop check for Peter Burns for $25,000. Maybe they did. (laughs) How did that happen? I don't know. You mean this show didn't pay super close attention to things that happened? (laughs) No, but you know what it did show close attention to was artistic, Mm -hmm. mm, ooh la la, just artistic brilliance. Can I give you just just a couple teasers? Yes, please. I can't wait. Okay. Quote number one. Oh, oh, really? Have you been to any meetings with her? (laughs) (sighs) Quote number two. Uh, That greeting needs a little work, Amanda. Anyone else might (laughs) take it a little bit bitchy. (laughs) And finally, and this is a quote from a new character. He's cute. Ever do him? 
<laughs> oh, oh yeah i'm winning with the gay stuff again in my last quote good good yeah. that sounds like a lot of fun for you now did now did you find examples of this as trash or should we just concede that i win as much as i would like to just concede that you win so i can go make a frozen pizza it would go against my ethical boundaries as a reviewer of this program let the record show nothing is stopping a frozen pizza from being in the oven right now I, you know, you, you're aware of my situation here with technology and I'm worried if I turn on the toaster oven, somehow it will make the laptop crash. <laughs> a fair point. A fair point. So can I tell you about my first quote that I think is high art for the generations? Oh, please. Yes. It came from our good friend, Mathology. You were saying to Billy, uh, what well, it was, okay. Billy had been venting to Matt that he's been so supportive of Allison and Matt said, oh, oh really? Have you, have you been to any meetings with her? And when Billy said, well, no, Matt literally laughed in his face. <laughs> it was, I was a real bitch this week. It was great. <laughs> it was so rude. Like, I can't. <laughs> Come Matt on, Matt. People's bullshit. He's like, shut up all your straights. I'm getting listen, sick of you. <laughs> listen, he is going to fucking, he's going to make out with your best man in front of your face. And then he's going to laugh in your face. Those two things. <laughs> How is it high art? Because I think Billy felt that Billy was not being supportive. He wasn't doing anything to support Allison, right? He just wasn't actively being an asshole to her. He was, you know, <laughs> not tracking her down when she was with another boyfriend because he's used to that, right? He he wasn't giving her a hard time about not doing things with him. So he wasn't, um, he, he just wasn't making things worse, but he wasn't making anything better either. But he qualified that as being, and I quote, very supportive yeah i wouldn't say he's being very supportive i do think he's making some small efforts like i do think he's checking on her he's trying to like go hey let's go get something to eat or hey let's go talk and she keeps going oh i've got to go to a meeting which is code for i've got to go bang football boy yeah correct and now had he gone as he did later gone to a meeting he would have seen that uh you know he and allison are back in a relationship because she has a boyfriend <laughs> but I think it was high art for the generations because I think in situations like this, um, people generally uh, tend to think of their level of support um, based on what they're giving up or how they're, how they're personally feeling about themselves. And it's much more about them than the person they think they're supporting. So I think it's a, it's a, a clarion call to the self-centeredness of the American, not the American, of the human psyche. <laughs> Um, I'm inclined to agree with this just because I really enjoyed everything Matt got to do this week. So I'm supportive <laughs> of Matt. Uh, and so I'm just glad Matt got to be bitchy to the straights. Yeah, he was bitchy everywhere. He was just bitching all over the show and I loved it. Well, maybe that's, I mean, that's my first point. I think I, I think it's hands down. I mean, you're in the lead. <laughs> you know? uh, may I make mine? Please do. Please do, Mary. I'm going to try to not go on too long about this, but there's just a lot. Um, and I called it, at last, the thrilling conclusion to Joe's unholy war with Reed's parents. <laughs> uh, so that's, if you've been following the show recently, Joe had a baby. She keeps losing it. People keep taking it. She keeps getting it back. It's not been going well. Do you last know what? I counted a fourth time she lost the baby. Oh. I had I had to explain to my, my new spouse, uh, what my ad was about and i had to explain how joe's lost the baby so she 
fell down the stairs. She was thrown down the stairs, but she didn't lose the baby then. But she did yeah, lose that doesn't the, count. Yeah, she did lose the baby to the Carters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She did lose the baby to Kimberly. Mm-hmm. She did lose the baby to Nanny Poppins. Mm-hmm. But in between those two, she had her baby back, and then the police took it away from her, took him away from her, and gave him back to Kimberly. Oh yeah, I guess that did happen that one time. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh huh. Um. So last week, uh, Nanny Poppins showed up and stole Joe's baby. So we cut back in this week. We start with Joe walking into shooters to relatively calmly tell Jake that the baby has been kidnapped. Uh, <laughs> you know, once place. you once you get used to it, you know, it doesn't seem so shocking anymore. I suppose at this point, this baby is like a revolving door baby and it just comes and goes when it pleases. Um, clearly she can't go to the police and clearly it wasn't a random kidnapping. This nanny was clearly after Austin. We cut to Joe. Michael Jr. Jesus. Um we cut to Joe walking up to Kimberly at the hospital. She's like, I know you have him, you crazy bitch. I'll die before you let you take my baby again. Kimberly <laughs> giggles to the staff. Don't you wish they'd move the psych board to the fourth floor? Uh, she tries to get away. Joe follows her. She Kimberly admits that she called the Carters. She said, I felt it was my civic duty. Joe is disgusted, turns around like she's going to walk away, and then pow, smacks Kimberly right in the kisser. And Kimberly falls over, and Joe stomps out. Uh, we cut next to Joe packing a suitcase and her gun. She's going to go find her baby. She's now borrowing she, Max Now Geo she Tracker. finds the gun. She could have got that baby back from Kimberly with that gun in a New York minute. <sighs> Too bad she's apparently from San Francisco. Um, anyway, Jake shows up. He's like, this is a bad idea. Like, what are you going to do, shoot him? And she's like, I got to take matters into my own hands. And she never learns that. It doesn't go well for her. So Jake's like, I will go with you. And they go off to find the baby on a little like Thelma and Louise adventure. And we go to a diner with Joe and Jake and she can't eat because she's too worried. And she sees a woman carrying a baby. And can, she I, thinks- can I pause on this diner? Because yeah. it straight pissed me off. Why okay. did she order a full breakfast? I don't know. She Maybe had she a was- full yeah. breakfast in front of her. It was a grand slam. Maybe her eyes were bigger than her stomach. She didn't try and eat anything. And Jacobus, what a what a straight girl, just sitting there chowing down on pancakes and doesn't realize until he's fully done eating that Joe's just sitting there staring out into space. Well, that's her own fault. Like she has food. Well, <laughs> eat it while it's warm. Anyway, Joe and Jake go off and they drive to the Carter's house. I don't know how they have their address, maybe off of various legal documents. They are not home, which is not surprising. Jake starts trying to jimmy open a window in broad daylight on the front porch. Joe went to their house without an attorney. Remember, Allison said, why don't you just go visit them? Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot that important detail. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so Jake starts trying to jimmy open a window right on the front porch in broad daylight. And this neighbor walks by by this old guy and he's like what do you think you're doing which is a fair question yeah uh joe and jake uh they're like oh we're just looking for the carters because we're their relatives and the guy says well they're on vacation who is looking for them like oh we're we're relatives passing through town we're stopping to say hi um where are they vacationing is it nearby and the guy's like yeah up at the lake and jake's like what lake the guy's like, with your relatives, you'd know which one, which is valid. He says, get off their property before I call the cops. And Jake's like, oh, shucks, don't worry, bro. And they leave. Uh, 
Later, they are at a rustic cabin in the woods, which I'm 99% sure is the same one that Michael and Kimberly or Sydney had their honeymoon at. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't think it's meant to be the same place, but it, the exterior is definitely the same place. Um, Joe can't sleep. They wind up doing it. Uh, the next morning, Jake is checking out of the motel. He's like, oh, is there a lake nearby? And the guy's like, yeah, it's like an hour away. And he goes in a phone book because it's the 90s and he finds the Carter's address in the phone book. Uh, and then Joe wakes up and he says, we're going fishing. And I'm like, for babies. <laughs> <laughs> How are the babies biting today? Uh, later, we cut to the geo tracker. It's parked outside of what I believe was the same cabin exterior that they were at last night, but whatever. Uh, it's they're sitting in the car and a, a car pulls up and it's a station wagon. It's the Carters and they get out, but they don't have the baby. And Joe's like, I know they have my baby and we're not leaving. Later, they've fallen asleep in the tracker. Another car pulls up and it's Nanny Poppins with her enormous goddamn boat of a car from last week. Uh, sure enough, she gets out. She's got the baby. They go in. Joe is like jumping out of the car to go get him. And Jake's like, no, no, no. I'm going to go call the cops. You stay here. And then the cops will come and they'll fix everything because that's how that works. That's worked really well so many other times. Uh, we cut to Jake running to a payphone to report a kidnapping. I don't know why that always makes me laugh. It's just like, why is there a payphone in the middle of nowhere? Um, Joe gets out of the car because Mr. Carter comes out looking around with a rifle. Uh, and she gets out of the car and approaches the house and goes up to Mrs. Carter. And she's like, you have my baby in there. And Mrs. Carter's like, how did you find us? And Joe is trespassing. And Mr. Carter cocks his gun and he shoots her in the back. Just and shot Joe's her. Just shot her. Shot through the heart. And you're Not to really. blame. Um, we cut to the paramedics. They're rolling Joe out to an ambulance. Uh, Jake's like, you better hope she's okay. You're going to have to deal with me. Like, that doesn't seem all that threatening at this point. Um, at the hospital, Joe wakes up. Jake's there. He's like, you're going to be fine. Austin's with the social worker. There's going to be a custody hearing. And Joe's like, oh, shit, that never goes well. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. They'll never take the baby away again. And I'm like, oh, Jake, you're naive. Um, he's like, it's Joe's like, all right. Um, Joe, now this next scene, at first I thought she was having a nightmare, but I was unclear if the show meant it was really happening or she was dreaming it. Um, she wakes up in the hospital like she's having a nightmare and Mrs. Carter is standing over her and she's like, we're never going to give up and you can never win and we're going to keep you tied up in court for years. Joe's like, leave me alone with my baby. This is a baby. Mrs. Carter's like, the baby's the only thing left of my son who you murdered in cold blood. And Joe's like, you need to get out of here. I'm going to scream. And Mrs. Carter's like, I'd rather see God take this baby before I let you have him. I'm like, oh, that's scary. And I was confused if this, again, was supposed to be a nightmare or something that actually happened because it was a little weird. Interesting. Also, why would how would Mrs. Carter have gotten into the hospital to visit Joe? It seems like she would have been stopped at some point because like her husband just shot her. But OK. Um, anyway. Uh, Joe is lamenting the next night at home that her life is out of control. She can't protect her baby. Everybody keeps stealing the baby. Jane is over and she's like, life is unpredictable. And I was like, you stupid bitch. <laughs> um, at the courthouse, they've got the beautiful 1970s B-roll again with those big cars from the 60s. Uh, they're meeting with the judge. Mrs. Carter is like flipping out like how Joe is threatening them all the time. And Joe's lawyer is like, well, you guys shot Joe, not the other way around, which is a fair point. Uh, the Carters freak out. Like, she came to our cabin. She killed our son. We're protecting ourselves. I have to uh, say, Mrs. that's a good defense. That is a good defense. I mean, when he said she already killed our son, <laughs> and now she's tramping around the cabin in the middle of the night. Yeah. 
And Her. she's already been arrested on a gun charge. That's true. She really shouldn't be having all these she's guns. Go, she's gone to jail twice. Once for a gun, once for a harpoon. Once <laughs> for a harpoon. Um, so they're all kind of yelling at each other and Joe just finally has enough. And she's like, this baby is only eight weeks old and he's been through hell. He needs peace. And if I can't give it to him, I want some, please find a family who can. And Mrs. Carter's like, no, this is a dirty trick. Joe's like, no, I don't want the baby to be stuck in the middle of this unholy war for his whole life. That's how much I love him. And she looks at Mrs. Carter and goes, how much do you love him? Ooh. And Mrs. Carter's like, oh, how noble of you, Joe. You lost custody of your baby. And now you're going to take we're going to take our baby. And the judge is like, nah, I think you guys have shown yourselves to be morally bankrupt. Uh, the court thinks that the shooting of Joe has nullified the custody agreement, which seems fair. Not how it works, though. Uh, he tells Joe, I'm thinking about the same thing. Do I have your permission to explore this further? And she's like, yeah. Uh, so that's what happens. The baby is going bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye, baby. Bye-bye, baby. Joe gets uh, allegedly three minutes, although I think it goes longer, to say goodbye to the baby because Matt convinces that social worker to bring him over. Um, Matt's like, don't worry, he's going to live with a good family, and he's registered Joe as his biological mother in the social work thing, whatever that is. So when Austin's over 18, he can look for her if he wants. He'll be able to find her. Michael Jr. Uh, Matt's like, hey, other social worker lady who's kind of a stick of mud, like, let her hold the baby. And so Joe gets to sit with the baby. And she's like, I hope you never forget me. And I'm like, well, he's a baby, so he doesn't remember you, but he it's a nice sentiment. Um, she wishes she could be there, but she's got to do what's best for him. The social worker comes back and she's like, go have a wonderful life with people that can give you all the things I can't. And don't forget how much mommy loves you. And she cries and the baby cries. And it's very sad, but um, kind of a foregone conclusion because as we've said all along, there's no way for this baby to exist permanently in the Melrose Place universe. And I mean, farewell, little Austin puppy, Michael Jr. You had a good run. What a crazy ass storyline this has been. It was, you know what? I bet it was the writers were like, okay, she's pregnant. We got to, you know, we got to have a miscarriage. And they were like, okay, hold up though. What if we, <laughs> what if we didn't? What if we tried something different? <laughs> and they sure did. They tried everything. There are a few things that they didn't try <laughs> to make this work. Here is, there's one little piece of this storyline that is going to make me concede that it was trashy. Just one little thing. Oh, really? Okay. Uh-huh. I believe that Joe's injuries from falling down the stairs were treated as more serious and lasting than being shot in the back at fairly close range from a shotgun. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, she was up and out of that hospital bed quick yeah like next day pretty much also there's just something delightful about the quote she already killed our son <laughs> uh, i did laugh when mrs carter is like she's an unfit mother because of all these things and i'm like well, your son was like a drug dealer who tried to kill people like he wasn't great either i don't really hear that fit hey uh, well you know what listen the storyline is over. I don't think we'll hear much from Joe for about a month. Really? Yeah, she, you know, it, it, Kimberly's got to do something again. They got to cycle them through. Oh, uh, yeah, they, they need a break. They need yeah. a break. Yeah. Well, Kimberly, Joe, not Kimberly, Joe, Jake, little baby Austin Michael Jr., Carters, this has been fun. It was fun 
to see the build up coming, knowing that it, knowing the ending, it was really fun to watch the story develop. It was. It's you know what? It's a bunch of garbage, but it's been very entertaining ever since Reed showed up at the class reunion in San Francisco. For Joe from New York, whose parents are from Austin. They never answer any of these things. It's maddening. We should do an investigation. Uh, no, I think we're okay. <laughs> All right. I've got another quote for you. Oh, good. Okay. High art for the generations. All right. That greedy needs a little work, Amanda. Anyone else might take it as a little bitchy. <laughs> that is Michael Mancini's response to Amanda walking up to him and saying, you selfish little worm. <laughs> I will not review the plot because I cannot imagine a scenario where you're not covering the attempted murder of Amanda Woodward. Rest assured, I will cover it in detail. Okay, but just this one moment where Amanda... Uh, is an angry, mad, bitter woman, totally justified because Michael double-crossed her. And like it was in the 90s, like it was in the aughts, like it was in the 10s, like it is in the 20s, the man can just dismiss it with some by, by throwing some comment about being a bitch and it just washes it all away. It's a, it's a way of um, disarming unfairly and minimizing the valid and real concerns of women by just calling them a bitch. And that's what Michael Mancini did. Also, before you choose to agree or disagree with me, uh, a hysterical moment, a laugh out loud moment that made Derek come in and see what was going on. Oh, really? Yeah, I was laughing so hard. Oh. <laughs> well, that, I'm glad it brought you together. You yeah, know? yeah. Is he showing any interest in Melrose Place so far? Or are you still working on that? No, I had to explain to him about the ad that uh, is going to appear actually right after right after this. Um, and I had about six minutes of explaining the goings-ons of Joe's baby. <laughs> and at the end, he was just like, uh-huh. Okay. So, no, I don't think he wants to watch it. He's, or, that, or he's just very accepting. And maybe he would love it. Uh, I've... Believe me, I've asked the question plainly and directly because <laughs> there's nothing I would love more than watching season three with you while going back to season one with him. But no. So, I Mary. Worried about yeah. So, this, that greedy needs a little work, Amanda. Anyone else might take it a little bitchy. Is, do you think, do you agree with me or do I, do I have to lose this one? Um. I think you might need to lose this one. Yeah, I think, uh, it was a it's a noble effort, but um, I think uh, within the context of everything else that's happening, it, it's hard to separate the trash from everything here. All right, all right. But well, believe me, my third point is going to be fire, as in I Fire can't... Island, super gay. Super gay. <laughs> I can't wait. Hey, you. Yeah, I know you can hear me. Listen, we have to be quiet, but I have something important to tell you. There's a hot new deal at your favorite restaurant. Oh, I know you've been traveling up and down the California coast looking for a lake 
to retrieve the baby that you didn't lose when you were shoved down the stairs, but then lost in utero custody, only to be secretly born and pretend cremated, kidnapped by our nurse. I'm sorry. I'm being told that it was a lady doctor. Kidnapped by your lady doctor, taken from you by the police, handed back to the kidnapper, shoved into your arms by one of your baby's living fathers, then snatched up again by your favorite Danny Poppins. I mean, who among us hasn't been there? Am I right? Oh, my God. Well, come what may, a girl's still gotta eat. Oh, I'm still hungry. That's why you've gotta get you the Joe Reynolds special at Lenny's. What? It is, Mary, it is the most environment. Wait, is this right? Okay, I'll keep reading the copy that Lenny's gave us. It is the most environmentally conscious breakfast you can get. I didn't, I didn't think environmentally conscious was a thing in 1995. I didn't either, but I guess I'm yeah. wrong. Okay, all right, back to the app. I'm sorry. No, it's just weird. It says environmentally conscious, and yet I'm looking right at the picture, and there's meat on the plate, and that, that doesn't make any sense. Ugh. Environmental carnivores are hypocrites. Whatever. Okay, back to the app. Come to America's Diner where you will get a plate full of scrambled eggs. Just billowy eggs. You know the kind, Mary. The ones that clearly didn't come out of a shell anytime recently. Why would you want a shell? It's just more mess. No, no, no. These came in a bottle and they were mixed up. No, it says environmentally conscious. So maybe like, are these, Mary, do you think these are the eggs made out of pea protein? No. I don't think they had those yet, did they? Nope. Okay, yeah, sure. Straight out of a chicken coop. That'll help with greenhouse gases. All right, back to the ad. You know, the yellow, fluffy, flavorless kind, just like no one's mom ever made. Mmm, tasty. Then, oh, Mary, the toast in this breakfast deal. We're talking white bread. We're not going to hit you with rye or wheat bullshit. Shit, hell no. Drenched with butter. Mary, it is applied at just the right time that it melts like almost all the way through, but still maintains a bit of a pad of butter so you can just really sink your teeth into that butter like you're at a Midwestern State Fair. Oh my God, that's the best part is that big pad of butter. Oh, no, you, okay, but hold on, Mary. Like the toast is literally just twice baked bread when you think about it. So like, like we really just fired up a coal burning electric toaster to reheat bread that's already been baked in a gas-powered oven. Fucking great, Lenny's. Yeah, environmental. I don't want you coming for toast. Okay, I'll put up with a lot. Back to the ad. Mary, this toast smells so good, you'll think you're having a stroke, and you'll be happy about it. (laughs) I will. Finally, the sausage. Oh my God, that's what we're all here for. Mary, when I tell you these sausage links are flavored with maple syrup so thoroughly, so deeply, so completely, you just, you better believe me. It's almost like they took the pig and instead of a bolt to the head, they drown it slowly in Connecticut's finest maple syrup. What a way to go. Sign me up. Okay, no, like, of course the pig actually came from one of those massive like pig farms that loaded some communities water source with feces and manure but i guess we're not worried about that because it's an environmental breakfast whatever back to the ad yes mary this sausage is so great i gotta tell you even the lesbians love it oh wow now see that you might have gone too far there (laughs) so come on down to lenny's 
to get you the Joe Reynolds environmentally conscious breakfast. You might be asking, why is it environmentally conscious? Well, it's because we will plate it. We will set it before you and just let it sit there. After you don't eat the full fucking breakfast you ordered while your boyfriend chows down his pancakes like a toddler that will also be stolen from you. After that, we'll just pick up the plate and set it down in front of someone else. One plate, ten diners. Oh, for Christ's sakes. Mary, do I really have to read this final line? This is such bullshit. Okay, all right. Now that is what we call environmentally conscious at Lenny's. Wow, my mouth is watering. I mean, I think they shellac the eggs, Mary. I, I don't know why you have to always have to come after toast like you do. Listen, I don't know why we bake it twice. Well, because otherwise that, that's just how you make toast. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and that's how you make twice baked potatoes. But the bread's been baked. Just eat the bread. God, I guess if you hate fun and toast, sure. You know neither one of those are far from of a stretch for me. So, <laughs> Mary, are you just I, not have toast as a vegan? I of course I can have toast. I just we don't have pads of butter. But I'm gonna get me down to Lenny's and I'm gonna get me the Joe Reynolds special and I'm gonna look at it. There's no substitutions. And we are back for the second half of season three, episode 17, parts one and two. They shoot mothers, don't they? Question mark. Um, by the way, the title really gave away the show. Uh, they should have put a spoiler alert before the title. I'm Tej. I'm still Mary. Okay, we're singing now. Great. Uh, Mary, you are up next if you had another example. I dug one up. I somehow, I, I once again, like I often do, I, I, I really, really kept my eyes wide open. And I like to call this one, it'll be interesting to see who compromises the 2%. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, so uh, we're going into the Amanda storyline of Amanda's at work, Caitlin, the efficiency expert, uh, brings her proposal to switch to a different insurance carrier to save money on premiums. The only requirement is all the employees have to take a mandatory drug test. Amanda's all over it. She's like, I hardly see that as a problem, considering what Allison's rehab cost us. By the way, Amanda, already we already covered this, that Caitlin is an alcoholic herself and is yes. offended at what you're doing. What are you thinking, Amanda Woodward? Yes! Why would you say that out loud? Um... So yeah, it's like that's great. And Caitlin's like, well, I'll go ahead and get that arranged, but you should announce it because like all these employees think I'm like Big Brother already. And Amanda's like falls for this and's like, yeah, um, right. And Amanda then leaves her office and leaves Caitlin in there, which also seems suspect to me. Caitlin picks up the phone and calls Peter and says, "It's your turn, darling. Go to work." Later, Amanda has hosted Peter over for dinner because they're still sort of going out, I guess. Uh, he asks what the next course will be. She says, I hope it's sleep, which made me laugh. He's trying to mac out on her and she's like, I'm tired. He rubs her neck, but he notices she feels a little warm and her glands are swollen. She must have a virus. He digs in a pile of pills that he has, like Lisa Rinna on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. He's got lots of pills on him and he gives her some antibiotics and he'll get her a prescription tomorrow. She's like, I don't know. And he says, no, no, I'm a doctor and I'm being bossy because I care about you. 
The next day, Matt's, or Amanda stops at the hospital to get the prescription, which is weirdly at the receptionist desk. Uh, she stops in by Matt, and we begin a fun little dance between Amanda and Matt, which we don't see very often. Amanda is doing a rent increase at the building that she got approved for. Matt immediately thinks she's there to talk about that. He's like, my rent is increased, isn't due to the first. Also, this is totally a bunch of bullshit. She says, I'm not here to talk about the rent. I need a favor. And Matt openly laughs in her face, which is great. Again. He's on a roll this week. Uh, she needs him to investigate this research grant that Peter got involved with. And we won't go to, anyway, she thinks it's not legit. And Matt's like, oh, but he's the chief of staff. He wouldn't do that. Uh, she's like I already asked Michael to look into this but I think Michael's in on it now can you please do this for me he says I'm intrigued but why should I do this and Amanda's like well maybe I won't have to raise the rent on every apartment and that's like game on uh later Amanda's at work complaining about wanting the drug testing done by the end of the day she hangs up and literally takes some pills Matt comes in and he's like hey are you feeling okay and she's like I'm fine (laughs) why are you asking I had a boss like that once uh, he's like, well, you just took some pills. And she's like, no, I got the flu, but I'm fine. Boy, this is a, that's a stark thing during COVID when you see <laughs> people, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm at work with the flu, but it's great. Um, yeah. So brave. So brave. Such a, such a good worker. Uh, anyway, uh, she, she, he says, yeah, according to the files, I looked into this, that research grant doesn't exist. And Amanda's like, Michael, that bastard lied to me. And Matt's like, well, there's a new grant by the same company, and now Michael's running it. And she rolls her eyes. Then we have the scene at the hospital where she calls him a selfish worm, and he tells her her greeting might seem kind of bitchy. She warns him, like, she's like, Michael, watch out, because he'll squash you like a bug. And Michael's like, I can take care of myself. Not like you. You don't look so hot. <laughs> People are really getting mad at this week. Later, she's getting interviewed by the drug tester, and she's like, I, I just take antibiotics. And she's like, you know, our company's great. Like, we got stuck with this huge rehab bill, though, for one troublesome employee. So we really want to kick, nip this in the bud. The guy's like, there's usually a 2 to 5% positive rate that comes back. And she's like, it'll be interesting to see who compromises the 2%. And I was like, oh, gee, do you think the show's making it obvious enough what's going to happen? I don't know. Uh, later, she's taking pills again. And Peter calls her, reminds her to take all of the pills, every last one. He's lying in bed thinking about her. And he says, I do miss making love to you, Amanda. And she's like, save that thought for tonight. Cut back to Peter, who is now screwing Caitlin. Uh, and I guess to work, Peter, Caitlin, and the drug tester are all waiting. And they have some unfortunate findings. Wah, wah. She tested positive for THC. The active ingredient. Oh, my God. Wasn't that <laughs> wild that they made such a big deal out of marijuana? Wild. Like, that was a time capsule that did not age well. No. Also, I don't know a lot about drugs, but if I were going to pin a drug on Amanda Woodward, I don't know that it would be pot. Like, <laughs> like maybe like cocaine or amphetamines or yeah. something. Something better. Know. Something better. He ain't having any snacks. She doesn't have a bag of Doritos in the house. Anyway, um, Peter's like, well, your contract expressly forbids this, so you got to go. And she's like, what? This is ridiculous. Like, I don't use marijuana. And they all just stare at her. And she's like, you set me up, didn't you? With the virus and all these pills. What kind of twisted game are you playing? And he and Caitlin are like, you got to turn in your stuff. She says, I thought we had something together, Peter, that we were made for each other, but it was all a scheme. And he says, we're sorry to lose you. You were once a very valuable employee. She's pissed. She's mad. She got screwed over. He blames her and says, you clawed your way to the top, but couldn't handle it. You were too weak. So you turned to drugs as a crutch. 
She's like, you're full of shit. Uh, everybody else is in on it. And Peter, in a very funny line, says, well, that sounds like paranoia, an obvious indicator of marijuana use. Jesus. Oh, my God. So later we cut to Amanda at home. She's crawling around on her bedroom floor while Billy stands in the doorway. She's explaining she knows Peter drugged her. She dropped a pill behind the dresser. She needs to find the pill and get it tested. And then Billy has finally tells her that he saw Peter and Caitlin going at it. And she's like, why didn't you tell me, you dumbass? And he says, well, I mentioned it to Allison. And Amanda goes, oh, let me guess. Allison and all her vast wisdom told you to stay out of it. Anyway, they finally the pill and she's like huzzah she takes the pill to matt and matt's like why do i need to know this and it's very comical because it's this one pill in this big ziploc bag that they keep carrying around and matt's like i don't know if i believe this except i mean with all this grant stuff that you're having to look into he's like i'm constructing this paper trail it seems fishy so okay i'll test the pill for you i'll find out uh he comes back he's like yes the antibiotic was THC. It's something that came through on their research grant. So we can trace it to Peter, but it'll take a couple of weeks. Amanda's like, the board is meeting in a few days and I need proof. And this way it's my word against his and I'm an alleged dope fiend. Dope fiend. <laughs> that tells her to bluff. He's like, just hit the ball back in his court and make him worry. Which for Matt is shocking advice. And Amanda, yeah. this. Matt, this is a side of you I've never seen before. And I like it. And that says, don't push your luck, Amanda. And they smile and it's very cute. And I wish they would like do schemes together more because it's very fun. Um, Amanda goes to the hospital. She confronts Peter. Uh, she's like, I can make an appointment if you don't mind me telling the receptionist how you've been drugging me. And that gets his attention. And he's like, well, you don't have any proof and the board's going to meet tomorrow. And you're just going to, you know, it, this too, too bad, so sad. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to hand your ass to the AMA and I'm going to get you arrested for what you did. And he's like, you don't have any proof. No one's going to listen to the sour grapes of a recreational drug user. And she says, you've been too good a teacher. I wouldn't be here if I didn't have proof. And he makes a face because now he doesn't know. He goes to Michael. He wants to get Michael in on cahoots. He's like, uh, I've been drugging. Amanda claims I've been drugging her and you know I wouldn't do that. But the only THC in the hospital is linked to Michael's project. So now he's caught into it. So Peter says he'll cover for Michael, you know, offer Amanda a financial settlement to get her off his back, but Amanda won't talk to him. So he needs Michael to set up a meeting. And Michael's like, well, why do I have to do this at midnight? And Peter says with Amanda's drug problem, he can't be seen with her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, Michael and Kimberly are waking up the next day and she's trying to do it with him. And she, he kind of shoes her away and he calls Amanda and he's like, yeah, he's double crossing us all. We got to get Peter's files. Will you meet me at the hospital tonight? And she doesn't believe him, but he's like, I've got as much to lose now as you do. So they meet at the hospital. We're almost done here. Uh, we're almost to the good part. Mm -hmm. So Peter comes in and catches them and he grabs Amanda and he spins around and he sticks her with a needle in the arm and she falls to her knees and she's having abdominal spasms and it's mimicking appendicitis because Peter wants to put her in and do surgery on her and kill her in surgery. And Michael's like, why are you doing this? And Peter's just like, this girl needs to be operated on. It doesn't look like she'll make it. It's very dark. Michael says he's going to Out of nowhere. Like, like yeah. just last week, we learned Peter didn't, wasn't madly in love with Amanda anymore. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's real out of nowhere. Um, he tells Michael, we could run this show together. You and me could be the most powerful surgeons in town. Uh, you know, we've, you've lost patients before. If she dies, it's not going to make a difference. And Michael hesitates and he starts pushing the stretcher toward surgery. Cut to surgery, Amanda's knocked out. Peter's giving Michael the scalpel and telling him to get started. 
Michael's like, I can't do this. And Peter very bitchily is like, aren't you the one who's been bitching about not getting enough hours in the OR? <laughs> Which was darkly funny. The nurses all look very confused, understandably. Uh, Michael looks around. He's about to cut into Amanda's perfectly toned tummy. But then he says, there's nothing wrong with this patient. And there's guitar licks. And he says, Peter Burns is trying to kill her. And Peter grabs a scalpel away. He's like, you've lost your nerve. And he like, tells us, for some reason, just like a security guard who's pulling Michael out of the room. I don't know why this is a security guard in the surgery. Um, Michael breaks away. He goes back and he and Peter have a scuffle. And ultimately he shoves Peter into the wall and knocks him out. And then he calls for a plastic surgeon because he thinks he broke Peter's nose, which made me laugh. Uh, Amanda wakes up. She looks at the clock. And she's like, oh shit, I've got to get to the meeting. <laughs> so she tries to get, to get dressed and Michael comes in and stops her. She's like, I got to go to my meeting. And he's like, well, don't worry. The cops know almost everything. And Peter's going to go to jail. She says, it doesn't matter. I have to get to the meeting. And Michael's like, hey, I saved your life. I got 10 stitches. <laughs> and she's like, I got to go. He won't sign her out. And she just goes, well, I'll get him myself. I'll get my clothes myself. Like She just leaves. It's very funny. Uh, at the meeting, Caitlin is smiling like the Catherine at the Canary. Amanda and Michael walk in, and then she is not smiling. Uh, Amanda spills the beans about the whole thing, about the drugs and what Peter did and how Caitlin's in on it. And Caitlin has, like, a grade-A flip-out. And then Amanda's like, yeah, he and Caitlin are doing it. So, like, she's not qualified for the job. Caitlin's like, uh, you don't know anything about being decent either. I'm so sick and tired of people usurping my power. Doesn't anybody have a brain in here? Can't you see what's going on? And she really flips out. And then Amanda very calmly goes, well, I guess it's up to the board to decide who you want running D&D. I think it's pretty clear. The board agrees. They fire Caitlin. She has five minutes to leave. And she says, one day you will all be so sorry you ever messed with me. And it's very Skeletor-like. And Amanda's like, I'm already sorry that I ever met you. Um, not girl code. That is not girl code, Amanda. Well, I, I think Girl Code was already violated on several fronts prior to this. Like, um, there's just a this was a quite the storyline. Like, there's a lot of crossings and double crossings again, which are very fun and very soap opera y. Again, I think it is a very much a sign of the times that they had Amanda be a, an alleged pot fiend, even though like no one would ever look at Amanda and be like, oh yeah, she's totally on that. Yeah, that she's, makes sense. Yeah, lots of pot with that one. So much pot. She's so calm and relaxed. Um, also, that whole surgery scene uh, was really just, that was a feast for the senses. Um, so much like crazy bitchy acting. I'm fascinated by the turn that Peter Burns has taken throughout this season, because he was really presented as this like steady, kind of a relatively normal person at the hospital. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I wonder if they always had this planned or if it just escalated as a part of all the season three shenanigans. Well, I think I was thinking about that because, he, you know, he doesn't go away now, but it seems like he's written out, like we're to expect that he's gone. Yeah, like and, he's on the run. And he's not. He's not gone. Oh. So I just all that to say, I think this was their plan was for him to be in for half a season and then move along. But, you know, listen, it was the 90s. And let me tell you, if I know straight women and I know straight women, that's for a friend. Uh, they love that hair. Oh, did they love his hair? Oh, it's so floppy. Mary, um, for attempted murder in a hospital room with a fight amongst the nurses, I'm going to have to give this one to you. Oh, well, thank you for being reasonable. Okay, but you know what is also reasonable? 
Hmm. Is Sydney having to congratulate Amanda Woodward on getting a rent increase passed? <laughs> so <clears throat> now this was this was clearly the mid-season finale, right? Um, yeah. And so uh, some storylines are kind of getting re- gearing up for a new direction, including uh, Sweet Sydney. Yeah, it's been quiet for a couple weeks for her. Uh-huh. Um, did I not take any notes from Sydney? Oh, I just turned a page. That explains it. <laughs> so here's what happens. Um, Amanda comes to tell Sydney, uh, knocks on her door, and Sydney's like, uh, the rent's coming. I, I'll, I'll have it by Friday or whatever. And Amanda's like, well, good, because you're going to need more. And Sydney's like, okay. And Amanda's like, I have been fighting the rent board increase people, whatever that is, for months. And I finally got approval to raise the rent. And Sydney's like, uh, congratulations. And Amanda took it seriously and just, you know, giggled. and was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> and reveals that Sydney's rent is going up, what, 33%? I don't know. $200 uh, a month. Yeah, so Sydney's freaking out. She can't afford it. She goes to Jane, who makes it clear that her business is now in financial trouble again because of Chris, even though it did not appear to be. Um, but she said, the last, the only place you and I, this is Jane talking to Sydney, the only place you and I will ever live together again is in old folks' home. And even then, I'd request a different wing. <laughs> so Sydney's putting up signs for roommate wanted to live in her one bedroom with her. And she meets Ricky, who is going to be, um, I'll say, her spiritual roommate. <laughs> um, R- Ricky sees the signs and, you know, comes to check out. She's looking for a new place to live. And she comes to tour the place. And this is where the high art comes from. Ricky sees Billy from across the way and turns to Sydney and says, he's cute. Ever do him? And Sydney's like, uh, no. And Ricky genuinely is like, well, why not? I said he's cute. And I just thought the encapsulation of gay culture, it doesn't just always have to come from Matt, you know? And Ricky's pulling it together for all of us. <laughs> Finally, a voice of reason. Yeah. Mary, is this your third point or are you going to be talking about Billy and Allison? I'm not talking about Billy and Allison because they're boring. Okay, so this is your third point? Yeah. Well, yeah. then I will stop here. I will just say, uh, he's cute, did you ever do him, is the gay anthem that we didn't know we needed. You know, we just need to, like, set it to a, a thumping disco beat, right? Yeah. And then, uh, and then we've got we've got a new share song. A little, little auto-tune, a little bit of wigs. I could see this happening. I think I would like you to work on that in your free time. And then we could play it at Wild Canyon parties that Allison gets invited to. It would be great. Do you remember the Wild Canyon parties? You oh, found... yeah, he did have the Wild Canyon parties, didn't yeah. he? Season one, Matt, he invited Alice into a wild party out in the canyon, which was, you know, a choice for what they were doing with Matt at the time. <laughs> Matt, by the way, kind of doesn't age well in this show. He's a jerk. He, he has Wild Canyon parties. He yells at Latino boys and calls them essay. He refuses to marry Katya and then does, but keeps her baby. He tells Jeffrey, who has HIV when there were not life-saving treatments readily available, to think about his future and stop spending money. Like, maybe maybe Matthew is not the best. 
I mean, contextually in the show, he probably still is, but you know, in real life, maybe he wouldn't be. All right. Well, Mary, do you want to give us your third point? I sure do. I call this one Sydney finds a whole new set of friends and a whole new cult. I mean, personal fulfillment seminar. Oh, you you have got your nerve to judge people for falling into a cult. <laughs> I don't know what that's implying, but okay. Uh, anyway, like I won't recap the whole part. You already told. Uh, so she meets Ricky, who's going to be her roommate. Uh, Ricky's like, you know, yeah, let's live together. Are there any cute guys that live here? And so he's like, yeah. And so she's macking on Billy. Uh, she's macking on Jake. Um, when Ricky moves in, there's a scene where she comes with some boxes and like three of her gal pals come with her carrying like one box at a time. She introduces them and then we never see them again. And she's like, Sydney, I have great news. Not only did you get a new roommate, you got yourself a whole new set of friends. And I wrote, Sydney, does this remind you at all of when you met Fancy Face? Anything? Anything familiar? Are you, are you getting uh, any vibes, like, Sydney? <laughs> um... Outside after they see Billy, she tells Sydney, I'm planning on the two of us getting into a lot of trouble together, which is something fun to hear when you're a teenager, but when you're like an adult and you have a new friend who's like, that, I don't know, for me, that would be some red flags. That might be kind of problematic. Um, the next, I think the next day, Sydney's fixing her hair in the mirror and Ricky is going through Sydney's photo album, which seemed weird. And she says, oh my God, your dad is so handsome. I remember her dad is that enormous man. That He's enormous an enormous man. father. He's an enormous man from you, Chicago. You, you might even call him Big Daddy. Oh, God. Uh, she asks, what does your dad do for a living? And Sydney's like, he's a businessman. And Ricky's like, my dad never owned anything other than the the title is Biggest Loser in my hometown, which seemed harsh. Um, she heard that Sydney's sister owns a design company. And Sydney's like, yeah, but she doesn't give me any money. She can't stand me. Ricky's like, oh, you know, do your parents help you out financially? And Sydney's like, no, we're not close. I'm on my own. And Ricky's like, you know, Martin says the trouble with life today is parents who refuse to take responsibility for their children. And Sydney understandably goes, who's Martin? <laughs> Ricky says, he's a great guy. You'll meet him. He's the leader of this personal fulfillment seminar I've been taking. I guess you could call him my guru. Red flags, red flags. Uh, so Ricky and Sydney go outside. They run into Jake. Uh, Sydney is concerned because she heard that Reed's dad shot Joe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know, we said it, we had to delete it because of audio, but that's so funny. It's just ridiculous. Uh, Jake doesn't have time to talk and he walks away. Ricky talks. I, at first, I assumed she was being sarcastic. She goes, Oh, that's Jake. He seems like a great guy. But then she keeps going and she's like, Oh, what a bod. Too bad you lost out on into another woman. Sydney says they're just friends now. Ricky said, Well, you could get him back, but you should just come to one of Martin's meetings. And Sydney doesn't want to go to any lectures, but Ricky's like, it's not about words, it's about love. And she says, Sydney, I used to be a loser too. <laughs> I didn't have I didn't have any friends. Nobody liked me or supported me. Martin showed me how to make all my dreams come true, and it won't cost you a thing. It's free. Red flags. Red flags. Uh Sydney goes to the meeting and runs into Ricky. Uh, she introduces her to the cult, I mean, the personal fulfillment group. And then she introduces her to Martin, who is the cult leader or the guru. He says, you can stay as long as you want. 
the choice is yours. Uh, he's wearing a turtleneck under a blazer, so clearly something's wrong with him. Oh, did I lose you again? No, I'm right here. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, he has Sydney sit right up in the front. He goes into this speech about how we're treated based on how we let others treat us. If you think you're crap, people will treat you like crap. And he stares at Sydney, who stares back, and she looks really cute, and she's wearing a beret. And we know she's going to fall for this. Uh, later, of course she is. Of course she is. Of course. Uh, at Shooters, Sydney's working, and Ricky's talking about how great Martin is. Sydney says, I can't afford $1,200 for that. And Ricky's like, yeah, but people who take it earn up to 50000 after taking it. And one guy she knows earned half a million. And Sydney believes this, but doesn't have the money. Ricky says, you know, I bet Martin would understand. And teaches a labor of love for him. So maybe you could take the course without paying for it if you volunteer. They just want to help. They really care. Sydney, they don't. <laughs> they don't really care. They, they never care. do. They care so much, Mary. Oh, God. I part of Sydney's charm is that she never learns. And then part of what is maddening about Sydney is that she never learns. And this week I'm more maddened because I forgot this storyline was coming up and how dumb it's going to get. Um, but my God, I mean, I guess she'll get something to do. Um, I did especially think it was weird that Ricky just moved in and then started flipping through Sydney's photo albums. I thought that was weird. It is weird. Um, that seems a bit much, but you know, sometimes it's the way it goes. Mary, I feel like we should, uh, I, I can't defend the cult. I can't. Um, despite the number of times during the Paul search cast that you found yourself taken in by a spiritual spouse, uh, I will agree that the cult is trashy. Thank you for being reasonable. We should, um, we should just briefly touch on what happened with Allison. Um, I'll be quick because you're right. It's not very exciting. Um, Allison is recovering from alcoholism. She's around Terry a lot, and Terry proposed. Well, first he comes in after losing a game, a quarterfinals, I think, for the Super Bowl, and he wants a drink because nothing matters anymore. And Allison says, "Come on, it's just a game." And Terry yells, "Quote: It's not just a game, Allison. It's the playoff, the ticket to the Super Bowl." Which I'm sure my father would understand. Um, but <laughs> Allison helps Terry through without having to drink. So the next day he proposes. Seems rational. Yep. She Billy sees the ring and uh, is aghast and says to Allison, you are a classic codependent. And Allison says, who made you the expert? And Billy said smartly, you did. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good moment for Billy. I also liked how... Um... Oh God, I lost my train of thought. Oh, he's um um he says I probably know more about Terry than you do just from watching football. That's true. Um, Allison comes back to Terry's house and catches him in bed because remember he's a sex addict with uh, another woman. And Terry says in front of the woman, she's just some bimbo. And Allison gives the ring back and says, "Give it to the bimbo." So Allison is free to get back together with Billy, but she will have to find a boyfriend first. Yep, that's how it works. Mary. We're more than halfway through season three. I think we're just going to have to push forward. I guess you're right. I, God, it's a lot. This show's a lot. Um, I had a couple, two other, some very small things. I liked um, when Amanda was telling the staff about the insurance change. I'm like, don't worry, your coverage is the same. You just have to get drug tested. 
And uh, everyone gets up to leave. And Billy's wearing acid-washed jeans again. No one else in the house room is wearing jeans. Everybody else is in a suit. Didn't he, she have a really inappropriate conversation with him in front of, like, other people were still in the conference room? Yeah, they did. I don't remember what it was about, though. I think it was about the drug test in Allison. Oh, it probably was. Um, I also, sidebar, whenever I watch the opening credits, I really miss when Joe had the cute short hair when she came on the show, and I wish she would cut it. So it was cuter when it was shorter. Um, gratuitously long opening montage this week of various shots of LA after the credits. Like, like this episode wasn't long enough. They had to add like two minutes of just pictures of the tar pits. That seemed unnecessary. Uh, lastly, uh, I was reading the show description uh, when I was about to stream it and I forget sometimes these are very funny. This week's episode was described as Joe realizes that Austin's kidnapping was planned and Kimberly admits she told the Carters the child was alive. Joe punches her. <laughs> they must have watched just 30 seconds of the episode right they had to it's so weird and again i was just excited to see i mean matt didn't get much screen time this week but he got some and he didn't really get his own plot line but it was nice to see him pop in and out with some other people he got more good. he got more time than jane my god he did as well he should <sighs> Well, Mary, next week, the debate that America loves to hate will continue. Well, we just, we just got to keep going, I guess. This week's episode of the Melrose Placecast is generously supported by the following sponsor. You've probably been hearing a lot of advertisements lately on your favorite podcasts for all kinds of home security systems. There's just so many all of a sudden, and they have so many newfangled features like cameras, motion sensors, digital keypads, doorbells with cameras in them, sirens you can blare at would-be intruders, and even the option to have your gizmo call the cops for you. That's so many buttons. Call me old-fashioned, but what happens when the power goes out? Or if it's... Old-fashioned. You're old-fashioned. Yeah, fair enough. Uh... What if it's too dark out for your fancy night vision goggles to get a good look at the hooligan peeing on the edge of your driveway in the wee hours? Motion, <laughs> motion sensors are great, but you know what the ultimate motion sensor is? Elderly neighbors. That's right. Who's home most of the time? Who's most often sitting in their front window, glancing up from the newspaper every time a car drives by or a bird lands on the feeder? Who knows which vehicles belong to which houses, what time they come and what time they go, which kid on the blue bike lives two houses down. What? Yeah, oh my goodness, you're right. I mean, they know which dog starts barking every hour when the church bells go off. It's your elderly neighbor. That's why we here at the Melrose Placecast are thrilled to announce our new partnership with Elderly Neighbor Security. (laughs) Elderly Neighbor Security You won't get all those whiz-bang electronics because you don't need them. You'll get someone who knows how to keep an eye on things the old-fashioned way because they're old. (laughs) Who needs motion sensor cameras when your elderly neighbor security representative has their own two motion sensors right in their head called their eyeballs? (laughs) You worry about what they'll be able to see after dark? Well, good news. That's why Mr. David Masella invented the goddamn flashlight in 1902. And you bet your elderly neighbors got a few of those lying around. 
<laughs> but do you they have fresh that? batteries, Mary? Oh, you bet they do. They cut on a coupon. <laughs> you think sirens are going to scare off some little scamps who are up to no good? Well, so will your elderly neighbor when he walks up on some people knocking on your door when you're at home and bellows, what do you think you're doing? You won't need a camera to be there to capture the unnerved reaction of those rascals as you make, as they make up some bullshit story about being relatives passing through town because your elderly neighbor will be able to regale you with the tale as soon as you get home, probably more than once and for several years. <laughs> your elderly neighbor will ask the kind of follow-up questions that no robot could ever ask. Like, if you guys are relatives, wouldn't you know which lake they're at? Or are you going to get out of here or am I going to have to call the cops? No electronic home security system can match the incredibly potent shame-inducing powers of your elderly neighbor's patented glare of shame as the miscreants shuttle back to their geo-tracker and drive away. Melrose PlaceCast listeners can visit the website that your elderly neighbor's whippersnapper grants are made at www.getoffmyproperty.biz. <laughs> to learn more about the many features your elderly neighbor's security can offer. And if you sign up, enter promo code YUM YUM in all caps, and your elderly neighbor's security rep will bring you a complimentary pie his wife baked during your introductory visit. Your elderly neighbor's security, because they'll be watching everything that goes on at your yard anyway. Oh my gosh, I, listen, this is just what we needed and we didn't even know it. That's the thing, right? I mean, I'm so excited that we've this not only did it exist, but that we get this exclusive partnership as they're getting off the ground. Uh, well, they're going to need some help getting up. But uh, as they're there, I just can't help but wonder, are they just trying to get us to pay them for what they're already doing anyway? You know, that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is these are already people who are seasoned professionals in this line of work. <laughs> and wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather have someone who's got years of experience keeping an eye on things versus some, oh, some whippersnapper that just got a webcam down at the old radio shack? Mm. Do they even know what webcams are? Oh, they think they're for OnlyFans. <laughs> they don't know what either of those things are. <laughs> 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 Could you imagine if the boomers found OnlyFans? What would they think? What would they put on there for their own content? Oh, you know, uh, quilt uh, schematics. Is Facebook OnlyFans for old people now? <laughs> well, listen. I can't wait to line up an elderly neighbor or two uh, to help protect, protect. Actually, I live in a condo association. The elderly neighbors are doing everything already. They're, they've got it covered. <laughs> I bet you feel the safest you've ever felt. So wait, seriously, how, how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the re the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far.
but there's also but then mary there's the the amazon has the true story of melrose place movie that we should cover oh god how long yeah and and uh, models inc has to be covered too wait what the hell is models inc it's a two-season spinoff of what what do they of melrose place from the lady from dynasty was on it i think lady from dynasty my god this was like a whole industry and i do think 90210 to get to understand where this show came from is probably worth exploring i i don't know if i agree with that <laughs> and then when allison left she went to ally mcbeal does it have anything to do with the contents of melrose place i just feel like how do you really want to be an expert in this or not i mean i think you know the answer to that <laughs> okay so we're in for all of it oh god 